Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from deep in the Eublifaris galaxy, on a small planet called Gekonia, east of the Albino Hills and south of the raging Lucistic River, comes the one, the only, Gecko Nation Radio. Happy New Year, everybody. Today is January 10th, 2016, and Gecko Nation Radio is back on the air. Uh, I hope everybody had an awesome holiday season, and uh, I'm looking forward to 2016. I think it's going to be a good year. Um, stay positive out there, and let's uh, let's make some awesome geckos. Uh, tonight, we have one of our favorite all-time guests coming on the show, um, Marsha McGinnis from Golden Gate Geckos. Uh, Marsha's got a lot of history in the hobby and in the in the community, and uh, really has some beautiful. It's, um, it's always been a big help to a lot of new hobbyists out there. She's been on the show a bunch of times in the past. You guys can look in our archive uh, for her episodes. Uh, tonight we're going to be discussing. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about. Banded geckos, she's got a lot of experience with them, and uh, leopard geckos. I'm not sure how late we'll stay on tonight. We'll see how it goes. But uh, as always, we welcome your phone calls. The uh, call-in number is 646-478-5331. Again, it's 646-478-5331. If you'd like to come on the air, just call the number, and when it gets connected, press number one on your phone, and I'll know that you'd like to come on, on the air live. If you just want to listen to the show on the phone, just call the number and listen in. You can do that, too. All right. Uh, let's see. I think that's it for business. Uh, I'd also like to recommend that if you like Reptile Radio or like what we do here, check out uh, Herpentine Radio here on Blog Talk as well. they got about three years, over three years of great episodes. Uh, just about everybody and anybody that's in the, the reptile world has been on their show. And uh, they got pretty pretty impressive archive now, so check them out. And also check out the new show, uh, Corn on the Pod, and they discuss uh, corn snake morphs and uh, stuff going on with cooler birds and corn snakes. So if you guys like that, that's a good show to check out. All right, let's talk about our sponsors. <clears throat> and I'd like to put a a word out here. Has anybody heard from Thad from Ohio Gecko? Uh, he's kind of MIA. I don't know what's going on with him. So we've got to make sure that he's okay. I'll try contacting him again. Uh, but uh, I'll mention him first, uh, Ohio Gecko. Check out OhioGecko.com. Right. He's got some great tangerines and snows and fat tails and stuff like that. Really nice uh, animals over there. And, uh, of course, uh, while we're on the topic of breeders that are sponsored the show and also very good at what they do, check out Ron Tremper. Ron Tremper at leopardgecko.com. He's got an app for you, too. It's called LG Pro. Go to the App Store. It's available for your iPhone or smartphone. And also, he's got an app called Leopard Gecko Care. Uh, check those two apps out. They're great. Also, go to the visitor site and see some of the most beautiful geckos in the world. Uh, Ron's been doing this for over 30 years, and uh, his geckos speak for themselves. Um, okay, Supreme Gecko. Uh, Wally Kern. Does an awesome job over at Supreme Gecko with day geckos and crested geckos and some obscure species that you don't see all the time. 
so definitely check out supremegecko.com. And, of course, Gecko Boa, Gecko Boa Reptiles. Uh, GeckoBoa.com is run by John Scarborough, and uh, John's definitely got some of the best boat lines of leopard gecko morphs and wild types in the world right now. He's got uh, the absolute best lines of wild types in the U.S., the purest ones from the different locations. Uh, so if you're a real true connoisseur of that type of um, animal, definitely go to GeckoBoa.com and you won't find any better. Uh, of course, there's Rainbow Mealworms. We love Rainbow Mealworms. Check out RainbowMealworms.net for all your worm needs. They're the biggest worm farm in the world, going strong since 1956. they got a whole city block in Compton, California. Uh, just one big worm town over there. So definitely check out RainbowMealworms.net. Ask for Jillian if you need any uh, special help with your order. And uh, also mention the show with our sponsors, and they'll take care of you. Reptiles Express, if you guys are shipping your animals anywhere in the country or Puerto Rico in Canada, now you can ship them all over with Reptiles Express. I get all my packing supplies, and I use Reptiles Ex uh, Express exclusively for all my shipments. So check out reptilesexpress.com. And if you need help shipping, yes, for Amy, she'll help you out. And sea serpents. We love sea serpents. Sea serpents is quickly becoming one of the biggest and best rack manufacturers in the world. So if you're thinking about becoming a breeder and tired of fish tanks all over your room, it's time to get a rack system. So go with SeaSerpents.com. And if you need an incubator, check out HotboxIncubators.com. All right? Two awesome, high-quality manufacturers right there. They're the same one, but they combined. So Sea Serpents and Hotbox are now uh, one operation. All right, a few more. Reptile stickers. If you need anything for your business, check out ReptileStickers.com. Banners, graphic design, artwork, of course, stickers. Um, anything that you would need that is printed or, uh, you know, website work, stuff like that, reptilestickers.com will help you out. And on Facebook, check out Happy Gecko, Happy, Happy Gecko Stickers, I think she's calling it now. So it's Happy Gecko Stickers on Facebook. And uh, Doobie Roaches, if you're tired of the smell of crickets and the chirping and all that stuff, you want to get some Doobie Wretches. And best place for Doobie that I found is abdragons.com. So check out abdragons.com. And they have a standard, uh, it used to be 5% off, but I think he's giving 10% off now to our listeners. So abdragons.com, use the code GECKO at checkout, okay, and get your discount on your Doobie Wretches. And last but not least, and our oldest and favorite, well, they're all our favorites, but one of my personal favorites, uh, Dale's Beta Dragon, dbdpet.com is their new website. They have a five, standard 5% off coupon code for anything online, and it's GNR5, all in caps, GNR5, all in caps. You can get all your reptile supplies there, uh, just about anything you could use, heating, lighting, supplements, you name it, they have it those fogger and drip systems, all kinds of cool stuff. And they have a new app available for smartphones. Okay, so check out dbdpet.com online and in the app store. Use the code GNR5 for 5% off. All right, cool. All right, the last time we talked to Marcia, it's been a while. It's probably been about a year now. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, I know she she had a surgery that she had to go through and Let's find out how she's doing. 
Marshall McGinnis from Golden Gate Geckos. You're live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hello, Gecko Nation. <laughs> How you doing, Marsha? <laughs> I'm doing okay, Dave. Thanks for asking. How you doing since I'm your just, surgery? Have you healed okay? Well, n- not yet, no. This has been a very, uh, huh. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about it because it seems like it's the only thing I've talked about for the last six months. But, uh, okay. no, this the recovery for this surgery is uh, up to a year, and I'm uh, about seven months in. So uh, there's a lot of good news. The good news is that I ha- uh, I did not, well, without going to any detail, lengthy detail, I now have complete use of my left leg and foot uh, oh, okay. as a result of this surgery. Um, but I will tell you that it, it, this particular surgery was very, is a very rare uh, procedure, and um, they only do it if it's really, you know, uh, if it's really serious. And so um, my options were to have, have the surgery or be in a wheelchair. Uh, so that's a no-brainer, right? Pretty much. So I Absolutely. went ahead and went under the knife, and I was in the hospital for uh, five days at recovering, and it's been seven months now I've still been recovering. But I have now the complete use of my left leg and foot. I have all the feeling back again, so I'm not tripping over everything. I'm not falling all the time, like I was, and um, I, I'm, I'm, and there's other positive things about it too. But it has been the most painful and traumatic uh, experience of my life, and I've had wow. seven surgeries. Yeah, this is no yeah. joke. This was no joke. <laughs> A friend of mine um, that I play cards with, uh, he just had uh, neck surgery, and they had to go through the front of his neck to do it. And, oh, well, he said it was, uh, he's doing much better now, but he said going through that was, was crazy. Well, I mean, I had neck surgery, what, about six years ago or whatever, the same procedure that I had, um, and I've had lower back surgery, um, both of which were a piece of cake compared to what I have just recently uh, gone through. Um, oh, wow. I had no issues whatsoever when I had my neck surgery. Um, it, I had—I uh, mean, literally coming out of the uh, recovery room, I had complete use of both hands and fingers and everything for the first time in several years. And so, uh, but what I what I went through was thoracic spine surgery which is between the neck and the lower back. And very few people have going on what I have going on with my body. Um, and they don't like to do that surgery because it's very, very risky and, it's, and the recovery is ex- it's a difficult surgery, number one, and number two, the recovery is just... <sighs> anyway, but yeah. um, I didn't have... I really didn't have much of a choice. I mean, I didn't. I didn't think winding up in a wheelchair and being a, a paraplegic was an option. 
And so I went ahead and opted for this particular procedure. And fortunately, I have the best uh, spine surgeon in, in in the state of California, as far as I'm concerned. He's He did my neck and my lower back. And I was up walking, I mean, out of the hospital overnight for both of those surgeries. This one... This one was a little more, uh, how can I say it, a little more intense. But um, anyway, so I'm doing well. Uh, I can't count my, I can't count days or weeks as far as how do I feel. Um, It's more like months. But I'm up and walking. I'm off of the walker. I'm not in a wheelchair. I'm able to you know, drive now, and all I'm waiting for now is the um, the okay uh, from the most recent MRI and x-rays I just had uh, to get back in the pool and do water aerobics again, because I just, I just haven't been able to move, and I'm just kind of getting stir-crazy here. So overall, I'm pleased. Um, and I just want to thank everybody uh, the, for the overwhelming support and phone calls and messages and everything saying, you're, you're tough, Marsha. You'll get through this. You'll do it. We're praying for you. We're, you know, we're sending out good vibes and everything. And I do want to tell you all that I felt that. I truly felt the support and prayers and positive vibes from Everybody, I felt it. I, it was it was unbelievable experience. So, so I'm here. I am. <laughs> well, you know, we've we've all become kind of like a, a little family together. A lot of us out yeah. there, and uh, you know, social media has definitely helped create that. And um, I feel like I know people that I haven't even met sometimes. And you know, everybody loves you, of course, Marcia. So, you know, you're like that favorite gecko uh cousin or aunt of ours that that you know that we worry about when we heard about all that stuff going on with you so you know i'm just so glad that things are getting better for you for real well so. thank you they they are but it's it's a very slow um it's not like okay you know you have a normal surgery and every single day you feel better this has been every single yeah. month i felt better but um yeah but I, i'm pretty tough you know for an old gal Hey, that's a good thing. <laughs> so, uh, what's going on with the geckos? I know you've been decreasing your collection for a few years now. Well, a couple years now. This uh, this last year has not only been a challenge for me uh, personally and physically, but it's been very tough for me because um, I can no longer take care of two or three hundred geckos. I just can't do it. And yeah. that's a hard pill to swallow when I, you're as stubborn as I am. And uh, and it's it's kind of like, you know, this is, this is my life. This is my passion. This is what I do. This is, you know, and to have that, have the rug kind of pulled out from under you is... Um, you know, you go through a certain stage of denial, like, no, that can't be possible, and, you know, whatever. And then you go through the process, and then there comes a realization that it's not fair to me physically 
And it certainly is not fair to the animals if they cannot be cared for in the in the way that I am accustomed to caring for them. Now, granted, they don't care if they go an extra day without having their poop cleaned up out of their, you know, but it matters to me. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so, yeah, I've gone from over 200 breeders down to less than 30 now. Wow, and that's, a, that's quite a bit, yeah. In the last couple of years, yeah, yeah, this is very hard. This is hard. Um, I'm working on an update now from my website for, you know, the next phase of, you know, saying goodbye to uh, a lot of my breeders. Um, you know, when they have names, it, it makes it even harder. <laughs> it does. <laughs> And so I've kind of been wishy-washy, back and forth, yada, 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 who stays and who goes. And then I changed my mind on photo day and and that kind of thing. But um, it, it has to be done. So um, I'm just hoping that these precious geckos of mine that have names and, and have been, you know, uh, a critical part of my life, um, will go to somebody who will appreciate them and and use them appropriately. And the only thing I can really hope for is to find loving, loving, you know, to rehome them in loving homes. And right. some of my projects to be carried out just because of the legacy of Golden Gate Geckos, although I'm kind of a... How can I say it? I'm not really a huge ego person, but I would like to see the 20-plus years of work and dedication that I've, you know, uh, put out for these animals and for the community to continue on. And um, I can't hope for much else. Well, I'm going to boost your ego a little bit. Uh, Number one, your pure Murphy patternless are essential going forward genetically to many projects. In fact, I just dropped one off to uh, Angela Mack today. Uh, she met me here in Pennsylvania, and uh, she was very happy to get it. And, awesome. You know, awesome. Th- these are very, very uncommon. And, I mean, you know, we do see a lot of mixing of stuff going on out there, and, and that's fine. You know, pe- people can do whatever they like, but... Some people come around eventually and say, "Wow, I really got to get my genetics straightened out with my gecko morphs." And your number one, your pure patternless are just essential to any obsessive, serious projects. It's just you have to get them, and there's so few of them available uh, that you know they're going to be coveted. And and not just that, but your sunglows are are the prettiest sunglows I've ever seen. And uh, thank you, you know, thank you. You're not, and I'm not alone in that. A lot of people feel the same way. I mean, they, they're just such rich reddish-orange color and just robust animals that they're, they're amazing. I mean, my well, personal and they, favorite. And, and they breed true, too, which is really great um, as far as I'm right. concerned. I mean, I worked a lot, a lot of years uh, for that. But um, in, in this round of, you know, gecko sales that's coming up for me, I'm not trying to plug everybody go to, gecko, you know, goldengategeckos.com and 
see what I have. Um, I'm working on it now. Well, of course they should. But the thing <laughs> is that people don't realize, and, and 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 it's not their fault, it's mine, because I didn't realize um, how important these beautiful uh, morphs are to the, to the gecko community. Um, at this point, I, I, I'm going to flat out tell you, I have 1.2, uh, which translates to one male and two females left of my pure Murphy Patternless project. Yeah. And I wow. have 1.3 of my, uh, which is one male and three females to my Sun Glow project. That's mm-hmm. scary. Well, some of us have That's too. scary when you get happens. down to those numbers. Yeah, but, I mean, suppose, God forbid, something does happen. You know, there are a few of us out there that have kept your bloodline true, so it's not like it's going to disappear. I know? hope not. I really, truly hope not. Because not only have I worked hard and and made a, a huge commitment into keeping these morphs, especially the, uh, of course, my Blizzard line, um, Matt Baronic, uh took over. Mm-hmm. Uh, my Bold Stripe Rainwater project has been sold, the entire project, okay. uh, to someone who will indeed keep the lines going. And I'm hoping that those of you out there listening who have... Um, you know, joined the joined the bandwagon, so to speak, to purchase these animals. Uh, I have none, zero. I do not have any any bull stripe rainwaters in my collection anymore. The whole project has been sold, and I trust that the person who you know purchased the project will keep it going and keep the Golden Gate geckos. Um, you know, um, legacy uh, going. Yeah. Um, but I, but I will say that I will be selling. I will be selling my um, Murphy. You know, my pure Murphy patternless group or or trio, mm-hmm. um, as well as my um, my. Uh, um, uh, Sun Glow project uh, in the near future, and okay. I will not sell them to anybody, just anybody. This will be someone right. who is really appreciative of the years of work involved and the years of commitment and love for these morphs, and a commitment that they will keep the GGG legacy alive. Um, hopefully longer than I am. <laughs> uh, and it's not about money, David. You know that. You know me. Most I know. Of the, you out there know me. I, I just, I real. It's not about the money. It's about the passion, the love, and the level of commitment uh, to the community and to these animals. And so that's kind of where I'm at. But this has been a tough year for me to make the decision of who stays, who goes. And I do have a lot 
of geriatric geckos um, mm-hmm. that I will be keeping all of for the rest of their days with me. Um, you know, we all get old and we all lose value as it seems like we lose value as we get older. But these particular geckos are my um how can I say it? It's like they're the the touchstone or the cornerstone of so many of the projects that I've done uh over the years and caring for geriatric geckos is a little bit different than caring for you know, young, vibrant, healthy geckos. Although my geriatric geckos are pretty darn healthy. Um, I have one that's almost 16 years old, and she is, and she gave me at least six seasons of outstanding uh, um, geckos. She was the um, she, she was the matriarch of my uh, Sun Glow project, and she's uh-huh. 16 okay. years old, David. Wow. And and yeah. she still is fat and happy and eats and poops and, you know, and stuff like that. She's just an old, old lady. And she's not going anywhere. So yeah. it's for a mental Yeah, yeah. For, for a breeding female who has just really produced probably over, you know, over 60 over 60 clutches of eggs over the years. Um, it, you know, she's she's doing pretty darn good. So yeah. I'm pleased I about that. So, I had an old one, too. She she died at 18, and, you know, I had her since she was a kid. It's just a regular pet store gecko. She's really pretty. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean... She went through a few of her, a few of my friends too. They kept her for a while, and then I eventually got her back. And uh, she died at eighteen, and you know, it was sad, you know. But um, yeah, but you know what, David? Beautiful. She she just you know she shined. She she's a living testament to your ability to you know meet the the physiological and environmental needs of an animal that, you know, is in captivity. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah. You know, it's it's like a, it's like a shining star that, you know, my vet, um, who is the former uh, president of the ARAV, which is the Amphibian and Reptile Veterinary Association. Excuse me, I'm going to cough. <coughs> I'm getting over this horrible cold thing that I got from five or from five snotty-nosed grandchildren over the holidays. <laughs> yeah, they do that, don't they? <laughs> yeah. But but where I was going with this is that my vet um uh had a wild-caught pair uh Let's see, the the female died at 23? No, the female died at 21 years, and he lost the male at 23 years. Wow, yeah. 
that's amazing. Yeah. That is. They can live. Oh. They can live up to thirty. I heard, right? I've heard. I've never really experienced or talked to somebody firsthand about that, but. Um, I mean, we always kind of came from the, you know, the, um, you know, the line of the line of information that their average lifespan was, you know, twelve to fourteen years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, for especially for female breeders, which you know takes a lot out of them to produce eggs and their, um, and you know their their calcium requirements and, you know, that kind of thing uh, was probably less than that. And now we are seeing leopard geckos going, you know, 16 to 20 years, which is, which I, uh, is amazing. I, I used to, you know, I'm no longer doing shows, but it seems like every single reptile show uh, I've done, I've talked to somebody who's had a leopard gecko 18 or more years. Wow. Which yeah. which is great. That's you know, that's pretty time, awesome. Man. You know, yeah. I've sold <laughs> geckos uh, to young, you know, young people, um, who all through high school kept them, and then kind of when they went to college, they, like, unplugged the whole tank and set up and whatever and took it to their dorm with them for four years. And I've, I have employees who worked for me uh, years and years ago who still have uh, some Golden Gate geckos that are 16-plus years old. Yeah amazing i mean uh, they're the perfect uh reptile pet in my opinion <laughs> i think and, so uh, of course i'm jaded yeah. but you know but yeah i think that they you know that they and it's no wonder that the popularity of leopard geckos has gone through the roof and there's so many people out there now uh that keep them and are attempting breeding projects and you know that kind of thing. I, I I always knew years ago, like twenty plus years ago, that these were these would become a mainstream um, reptile pet, uh, not just an exotic. Oh wow, you have a lizard kind of a thing. The, the, you know, this is a legitimate, you know, uh, beautiful, healthy, robust, you know, you know, pet. If you had to start all over today, Marcia, like say you're like a brand new hobbyist and you're from scratch today, what do you, what morphs or what do you uh, think you'd work with? What would you, what would be your choices? You think? Oh my gosh! Oh, David, that's a tough question because 21 years ago, the auctions were a normal or high yellow. <laughs> <laughs> so the leading edge, you know, for the new morph was a high lo- yellow with with, with reduced um, melanin. And then, of course, the albinos started popping up. Uh, the patternless and blizzards started popping up, which were 
genetically completely unknown. Nobody really knew their genetics. And over time, you know, that people, you know, realized that they were a simple recessive, yada, yada, yada. But if I was starting over today, right this minute, um, I would, of course, be interested uh, in the... You know, of course, the white and yellow. Uh, yep. It just—I've just seen so many beautiful geckos uh, and combinations uh, with the white and yellow. It's just really intriguing for me, and I think I would probably jump on that bandwagon today. Uh, the other would be the, you know, the ten thousand dollar morph. <laughs> Oh, the, you know, the lemon frost? Yeah, absolutely. I think I would probably want something like that. But, but David, I have never been one uh, to jump on the bandwagon for a new morph and pay thousands and thousands of dollars for it, um, unproven. Yeah, risky. Yeah, it's a bit risky. I, I have ne- The only time I ever did that... The only time I ever, ever did that was, um, I don't know how many, probably 10 years ago, whatever. Um, I was at uh, the Daytona show in Florida, and I stopped by uh, John and Amy Max, uh, you know, the Max uh, booth. They were married at the time to, mm-hmm. to take a look at these uh these super snows that they were producing. And I remember we combined that trip, my husband and I combined that trip with a, a vacation in Orlando and stuff. So we had a great time. And our vacation, by the way, ended with Hurricane Katrina coming up. Um, oh, wow. But, but anyway, um, I I remember telling my husband, do not let me buy... A super snow because <laughs> they're unproven, they're brand new, you know that kind of thing. And guess what I did? <laughs> I bought. I, bought I did. I there was a female that I instantly. It was love at first sight. Mm-hmm. I saw her, and I loved her, and I held her, and I. And I just admired how beautiful she was. But I also looked at the price tag, and I was like, you know what? I'll let everybody else do this. I'm just really not, you know, I'm not one to spend that kind of money uh, on a new. How much? Orb. How much was it? How much was it? You know, that? I think she was like twenty five hundred dollars. Oh wow! Holy damn! Well. Uh, that's what the females were selling for back then. The males yeah. weren't even uh, the males weren't even really uh, commercially available at the time. Mm-hmm. And so we were there for the weekend. And John and Amy they said, well, "Okay, we're going to pull her. Uh, we'll put her aside." I said, "I I got to think about this because this is just I've never spent that amount of money on anything." like that. And so I got to think about it. So the next day, 
I came back to the booth, and they pulled her out, and I held her. And you know what, David? I loved her just as much (laughs) as I did the day before. I mean, she tugged my heartstrings uh, above and beyond. Anyway, long story short, I said, I just can't. I can't justify spending this amount of money on a new morph like this. And I'm sure they're inbred as all heck, you know, and whatever. So he threw in, he he sweetened the pot. Let's just put it that way. He said, okay, I will release a mail to you, which they weren't selling at the time, and a Kodom Max Snow female. And I was like, okay, I can't pass that deal up, right? Right. (laughs) Okay, so I bought her. Yep. And, of course, I was in, in, uh, in, you know, I was in in, uh, Florida. And so it, it was like, okay, don't ship her for another week, yada, 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 whatever. So anyway, I wound up with this beautiful, beautiful Super Snow female. Her name is, was, and still is Luna. And then I got okay. a male, a male Super Snow, and then I got a female uh, Kodom out of the deal. So I was, yes. I was like, okay, yes. this, this is good. Well, you still I'm have gonna her? Tell you I'm going to tell you something straight up. Okay. Luna has never once bred or laid an egg. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and I've had, How about that? For, I've had her for freaking 11 years. <laughs> Okay, so any and I you know what though, I got to say something. She's a geriatric gecko now. Mm-hmm. And when I look at her and pick her up and hold her, my heart still pitter-patters with love for her. Still. Yeah. Uh the male um he he went through a bad shed. He wasn't quite full, fully, you know, he was probably in the 40-gram range or whatever. So I put him in about a half inch of lukewarm water and covered it, you know, and stuff to let him soak, you know, let him steam and whatever. I set the timer for 15 minutes, came back, and he was dead. Oh, no. He drowned in a half inch of water. Oh, my God. But what he had done before that was he had, uh, I forgot, uh, going backwards, he had um, tried to get his shed off and whatever, and he degloved literally down to the bone. Oh, my God. And I'm hysterical, calling my vet, okay, come in tomorrow. In the meantime, you know, what he told me to do was soak him in mild saline solution, keep him him sterile, 
uh, I knew that his um, leg would have to be amputated. But no. I, in the soaking procedure, he drowned in less than a half inch of saline, you know, salt water, and died. Oh, that's true. So I got nothing out of him. I mean, that wasn't the whole thing. I mean, it was like it was traumatic. Yeah. It was a trauma for me. And then the uh the the other female I got, the Kodam female, went on to uh you know, produce some freaking amazing beauties. Um and so the moral of the story is <laughs> you know, I spent two thousand five hundred dollars and got zero, you know, um, return. Yeah. That's the bottom line speaking from a, you know, a business or breeder standpoint, you know. Yeah. But, but it was worse than that for me because I loved them. Yeah. We, all, we all have geckos that we've spent a lot of money on that, um, well, many of us do that just mm-hmm. don't breed like we want, or you know, God forbid something crazy happens. And, I mean, it it happens. It's it's right. unpredictable. It is. It's something that you cannot predict. But but the payback is that okay. I spent a lot of money. That's the most money I've ever spent. Um, and since then, I kind of quote unquote learned my lesson about jumping on the bandwagon uh, for these for new morphs that are out and unproven, and that kind of thing. So, you know, I'm kind of a chicken. You know what? Um, you know, I I I I need to have some kind of you know confidence in the new morphs. But if I was to do it today, I would really get get on and get involved with the um you know, with the uh uh white and yellows cuz I mean, I tell you, I look, I look and I see pictures of these just amazingly beautiful creatures. And I think, "Oh my gosh, if I was still in the mainstream of, you know, I I'd get a couple." Or two or three or four. We're just four. scratching the surface, too, with those, I think. We're just scratching the surface. Of oh, yeah. Oh, exactly. That's what's exciting to a breeder. Mm-hmm. To a breeder is the the potential. Yep. Yeah, there's um, so much left to do with them. Well, I mean, I, 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 li- I would, David. I, I You know, I would. I would... I would go down that road. Um, But now it's kind of, I don't know. But I have a confession. Um, For the first time in, I don't, in several years, I did purchase a new gecko. Which means that there's still a part of me that just won't let go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, she's a beautiful white and yellow Mac Raptor. Oh, nice. Yeah, they're pretty. 
And I, I just, I couldn't not do that because... Even if I'm retired, I I still am going to have these animals at, in some uh, respect or another. Um, well, I yeah. I they've just been so much a part of my life for so many years. I can't like throw in the towel completely. I just can't do it right now. What's one I just more? Can't you know? What's one well, more gecko? That's what I said after about seven or eight hundred. Yeah, exactly. I totally understand, <laughs> David. It's like, oh, what's one more gecko when you've got four hundred breeders, you know? And <laughs> <laughs> I so obviously I need, you know, I need to be restrained or in some way or not to say, Marsha, you're sixty-two years old. You're disabled, and no way in hell, excuse the word, should you be buying geckos right now. <laughs> but I, I, I can't help it. <laughs> I can't help. That's all right. You came to the right show to, to discuss these things. We we understand, and we're not going to uh, criticize you whatsoever. Don't Listen, worry. I'm being straight up and honest. I, you know, which is something I've always been is straight up and honest. I don't, you know, I can't help it. <laughs> it it's it's beyond compulsive or impulsive. It, it's, you know, something that tells me that I now I can now have this, you know, potential pairing that will, you know, put out some pretty cool geckos. <laughs> Oh hell yeah, I will absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's, well, that's um, gonna, most, I mean, you're still gonna you're still gonna breed a few though, right? I mean. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, David. I can't. I can't just go to cold turkey. Right. Exactly. I can't. If I sold every single animal I had, and somebody drove up in a truck and paid me ten thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars. And loaded up everything and drove off. Drove off. I, I, I really think I would need to go see a psychiatrist. I know. Seriously, I know. Like it's like yeah, that's how I feel. Like it, like if I didn't have this in my life, I I think about like well, what would I be doing right now? I mean, I'm sure I'd be doing something, but it probably wouldn't be as fun, or you know, wouldn't be as yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So it's 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 part of my being. It's part of my blood. It's part of my it's 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 there. It's not going to go away. But Plus you I have did, twenty years have, of energy in, invested in it. Forget about the money. You have twenty years of energy and you know and motivation and passion invested in it. I mean, how can you just walk away from that? Thing. Really, it is. It, right. It's. It's the excitement and the love of these creatures that just can't just I can't just erase it overnight. I mean, I mean, um, I'm going into my seventh year of serious uh, breeding and stuff, and I have projects in development. And I think about if I had to just walk away, like, like who would I give this project to that would know ever all the ins and outs of the history and the and the generations that I've put into it? Who would who would be 
passionate enough about it to try to work on it and and, and have the eye for it. And exactly, and it's, it's concerning to say the least. It's like, well, it's wow, what did I get myself into? Disconcerting is what it is. <laughs> it's it's really right. a it's a it, it's it's an you know it's a source of anxiety for me. Yeah, yeah, I know. Jeez, I mean, so... to find somebody that'll do it like you do it, it's it's tough. I mean, there are people out there, yes, and, um, but you know, these are your projects. This is, you know, your your years invested. Who's gonna respect it like you do? You know, or you did? I mean, well, exactly, uh, and there. To be honest, there really isn't anybody that can respect it like I do, and there's nobody really who can understand 100% the, you know, the the sacrifice and the loss and the choices and you know and and that kind of thing. It's um, it's kind of lonely being there. It's, it, yeah. it, I, I wouldn't say it's kind of lonely. It's extremely isolating and lonely uh, to have these animals who I've loved and, and vowed to keep them forever. And because of, you know, situations beyond my control, I can't do it anymore. And it's not yeah, about me as much as, it, as much as it, as it is about... Uh, you know the animals. Yeah, it's it's I, what's to become of them. I I I I'm starting to feel a little bit of exactly what you're talking about. I've gotten to the point where I um, have just too many, and um, you know I'm I have to decrease my collection. I do. It's just it's difficult because I have like all these little side projects in development. They're like maybe quarter of the way done, halfway done, and I can see the vision for them in the future, but. You know what do I what do I do? I mean, they're not even at the stage where I can say, all right, this is a finished morph or a finished, uh, right. you know, tra- thing I've been working on. I can't even sell it as such. I mean, I know what right. it's going to look like two or three years from now, but you know, and who who would even be interested? So, is, does all that work just get lost? I don't even know. Like what? I I think <laughs> in some cases, for for many breeders, it does get lost. But on the other hand, there are I. I I keep the, what can I say, how can I say, it's like I keep this, you know, hope in my heart that there are, that there are people out there who recognize the level of love, commitment, and work involved in this. It's not a joke. This is just not a game. It's not a toy. It's not you know, it's a serious endeavor that, that takes a, a tremendous amount of um, commitment uh, yeah. to, to do. And to just throw your hands up there and say, oh, well, is difficult. It's beyond difficult. Well, it's it's downright, it's heartbreaking. I, I mean, as someone that, was a was a newbie not that long ago. I have a little bit more sympathy and empathy with the new folks than a lot of people out there do, and uh, you know I understand where they're coming from when they first started out. And I I look back at when I first started, and 
you know, I drove a lot of you breeders crazy with my questions and everything. And um, you, ne- and, you, you know, never you, drove me crazy, David. Well, you were one of the people, and you and Ron and a few others, and John and Matt and yeah. we're always were really good. We're really good with me, and, and really helped me along the way. And you know, I'll never forget that. And uh, uh, I didn't always believe in myself, and I didn't always think that I, I would do good at this. And but uh, it takes perseverance and it takes dedication. And, um, but it and I also think for- takes support, David. Yeah. Yeah, support. Yeah. You can have all the dedication and all of that, and if you don't have the community support, um, it's going to be a heartbreak. And, yeah. you know, I Some really feel for people too. starting out today, you know, with uh, um, with this hobby. Um, although... There's so much more available as far as information goes than there was when I was doing this, but it's still it's you know how do you get your name you know how do you get your name out there? How do you you know especially if people are you know reluctant to you know give information and help? Yeah, yeah it's true. Um, there are there are people out there that do, you know, mentor. I mean, I mean, it's and I don't know. I think it's my YouTube channel. I get a lot of people contact me, and I can kind of tell which ones are really serious and which ones aren't. And yeah, I, I yeah, you do. After a while, you realize that it's like, okay, I've never kept. For example, you get a you get a, a, an email that says, "I've never kept geckos before, but I want to buy a breeding group because I want to get rich." <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, all get much. those. Uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but it's like, you know what? Uh, we need to get you leveled here because <laughs> you know, there's so much, there's so much more involved than just putting, echo, you know, pretty gecko plus getting pretty gecko equals pretty gecko. Which was the way it was 20 years ago because we didn't understand the genetics very much, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And sometimes Absolutely. we, you know, we failed terribly, and other times it was like, whoa, bonanza! We hit the mother load here, woohoo! You know, and uh, we can't fault people for being exciting, excited, and. You know, looking forward to, you know, breeding projects and what do I get if I get this and that and put this with that and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, it does get kind of tiring for for some of us. <laughs> Indeed. But you know what? We have to remind ourselves that we started, we started somewhere, too. Okay, mm-hmm. and the thing is, when I started, David, we didn't have the internet. Yeah, that's true. To teach us, we didn't have a whole lot of information out there for us. Uh, and what we did was trial and error, and have made some, you know. 
terrible mistakes. I I I I could probably do a whole show on the screw ups I've done in the twenty plus years I've been a breeder. Um, well, we won't. No. <laughs> but but you know I don't keep anything secret. I mean I have pretty much tried to share my not only my successes but my failures as well uh so that other people can learn from it um, yeah. but yeah i i'm trying to, as i'm trying to like move myself into the next level beyond mainstream gecko breeding uh for my for my own personal needs and wants um it it's all i can do sometimes to you know to not chime in and set set things right <laughs> it, it's kind of like okay there's other people out there now that are carrying the torch <laughs> Yeah, some carry it better than others. Well, that's true. But I don't know if I spent if I spent so much time on being holier than thou, and that my word is the gospel, yada yada yada. I mean, that would that would really alienate people. I think. Yeah. You know, I want well, people I direct, to come forward I direct people with... to the show. I direct huh? the new folks to the show. I direct new folks to the show, and I say, you know, if you guys want to hear the history and um, learn about a lot of the, you know, popular breeders, I mean, we, we've interviewed them. We, we, we've talked about yeah. a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Um, you know. And and I I kudos to you, David, for, for having this media, uh, you know, that you know, that is so pertinent and so helpful and so, you know, needed uh, in the community. I, I just I just think that, you know, Gecko Nation Radio and Gecko Nation in general is, you know, the on the leading edge of the commitment uh, that, uh, you know, that experienced breeders, uh, can bring up, bring in their knowledge without having this big dramatic. Um, you're crazy, you know that. You know that kind of thing. So well, we do I, our I, best to educate. That's all. You know, exactly. We can only do what we can do. Right. Yeah. Um, exactly. I, I have a question though about uh, you know the pure patties. Maybe. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, and we can talk. I see a phone call around the line. Maybe we can take this call first. But after that, um, I'd like to hear a little bit about the history of how you started working with Patterless. And, you know, like the um, bandits or the patties? the patties. No, the patties. Okay. And, how, and how you kept them pure all these years. And actually, let's just talk about it, and then I'll take the call. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about the the pure patties and how long you've been working on that. Well, and how it started. I think it was in 1990. <laughs> Seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked up my first uh, pattern, you know, Murphy patternless. 
back in those days, they weren't called Murphy patternless. They were just called patternless. And I'm shaking my finger in Ron Trimper's face because he added the patternless P to the Raptor Project and Aptor Project, which were not Murphy patternless. He and I kind of squabbled back and forth about that for a while, and it got resolved. And I just kind of felt like, you know, if people don't understand genetics and morphs, um, you're throwing a morph on the, you know, in the works that has a, a, a synonym, you know, the after raptor, and the P stands for patternless, which has nothing to do with the genetic um patternless morph. Right, so the Murphy patternless got, is its own standalone genetic and uh the patternless is. in the the raptor is uh, basically an effect where it at it's Exactly, it, it exactly, pre- precisely. And yeah. so I love Ron to death and I respect him probably more than anybody. If it weren't for him, I wouldn't have been around, that's for sure. But the thing was, I really got my underwear twisted over the <laughs> fact that the that the P and Aptor and Raptor stood for patternless, and it was like there is no patternless genetics <laughs> in these morphs. Oh, I was, uh, I was, uh, what can I say? I was, you know... <laughs> <laughs> I was really pissed off, okay, and had, I really got my underwear twisted over that. But anyway, it didn't do any good because, <laughs> you know, because Ron is Ron and I'm just me. But anyway, um, the Murphy Patternless, when I got my first Murphy Patternless, and I can't, I honestly cannot remember where I got her from. Honestly, it's been that many years. Um, but anyway, I, you know, I got her and she was just kind of a, she was only about 20, 25 grams. And she had that kind of a, I don't know. She she almost looked like she was in camouflage or something. She had that kind of a greenish body color and these patches and whatever and all over her body and she looked like a, I don't know, she looked like she was in, you know, camo or something. She wasn't very pretty. <laughs> But I came to love her, and as she grew and developed and was kept under, you know, the best circumstances, I mean, she got real yellow instead of that, you know, that kind of green color that she had. And she had a little bit of orange at the base of her tail, and she was just bright yellow, and I just loved her. And not only that, she just freaking had... You know, a really laid-back personality and stuff, and I just loved her. And so, anyway, I'm like, okay, so what do I do with her? You know, we were in the we were in the very beginning of isolating morphs as far as their genetics goes. I mean, we really didn't understand a whole lot about, 
you know, dominant, co-dominant, incomplete dominant, simple recessive, you know, we just really didn't understand that. And so I, um, I picked up a male, Murphy Patternless, at a trade show, brought him back, and I was really excited to, to cross the two of them. Well, the male was sick. He had diarrhea. He had um, he wouldn't gain weight. He didn't want to eat. He it was terrible. Um, and I lost him. Fortunately, um, I you know I had a protocol of um, you know uh, keeping everybody in quarantine. Yeah. And that wasn't something that was like revved up at the time. People weren't like really, you know, propagating the whole thing about quarantine, but anyway, I lost him. He died and it turned out that he had, you know, such severe coccidia that it was untreatable and this is in the early days. We're talking early 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 days where these tests were unheard of, and finding a, a competent herb vet was, you know, like a joke. So I was very disappointed in that. So long story short, um, I did wind up getting a couple more. Um, they passed quarantine, put them together, and started producing Murphy Patternless uh, babies. And they weren't very pretty. They were kind of a, you know, like I said, this. they looked like they were in camo. They weren't yellow. They were kind of a greenish color with these blotchy patterns on them and whatnot. But you know what? They grew up to be freaking bright yellow beauty. Almost like albinos, right? There you go. Yeah. There you go. You're hitting on a you're hitting on a, a very parallel story here. And so I started breeding them and um I kept parallel lines at that time. In other words, I didn't want to directly inbreed, but I had two lines of a male and certain females and a male and certain females and their offsprings I would cross back to the other parallel line to keep from, uh, I figured, I just figured they were really inbred, you know, just like any other morph that comes up and and whatnot. But, um, and then they started showing some really pretty orange at the base of their tail. So that was a trait that I wanted to, you know, focus on and whatnot. So over the years, I produced some of the most beautiful, really, really yellow, orange at the tip of their tail, at the base of their tail, robust animals that weighed, and and at the time, you know, a 50-gram, 60-gram gecko was considered huge. And these guys were, like, weighing in at, like, 60, 70 grams. (laughs) And I'm like, yes! I got some nice, robust animals here. But at the time, like I said, I had um, two what I used to call parallel lines. 
And what I did back in those days was rather than inbreed, I had line A and line B of the same morph, and I would hold back the best of the best of the offspring from, you know, uh, line A and line B and cross them or take the offspring and breed them the, the the best of the offspring from line B and breed them back to line A and vice versa because I knew they were inbred just like any new morph is uh, and I just didn't want to do that. I just wanted healthy, robust, beautiful animals. And bingo, hey, there you go. I mean, I hit, I hit the mother load on that, on that choice. And um, uh, I am just, I couldn't be more thrilled that that I, I took that route. And it was just a hunch. I mean, it, it really wasn't anything I was educated to do, you know, but um, I just thought, okay, you know, any new morph is bound to be, have really shallow, shallow genetic pool, and so I want to take unrelated, you know, pairs and whatever and produce offspring, breed them back to the opposite group and blah, blah, blah. Well, I started putting out some of the world's most beautiful consistently yellow with beautiful almost carrot tail even though there was no carrot tail influence in any of my geckos and they just you know went through the top but then with the onset of all these new excuse me new morphs that were coming out you know the albino strains the you know all that kind of stuff they kind of you know, they kind of got tucked back into a corner, and and people just were not interested in them. Uh, there were a few gec- gecko breeders, I'm not going to mention names without their permission, but that were interested in them. But what they wanted them for was to cross them into, you know, banana blizzards or, you know, the... Um, you know, the after version of a patternless and things like that. So I was like getting really discouraged. And I'm like, well, what's wrong with keeping these morphs pure? And same with my blizzards. And say, you know, so I went through a couple of years of just getting bashed. I mean, ugly, bashed. Oh, you're old school. You you know you don't want to, you know you you don't want to you know stick your neck out and um, come up with something you know beyond this and stuff and blah blah blah. And it and it and it hurt my feelings, but I was but I was steadfast in my belief that okay, this was at the beginning of this whole morph making phenomenon that went around the globe where everybody was throwing this with that and this with that to see what they would, could, could come up with, hopefully a new morph so they could run to the bank and be rich and famous and stuff. And the whole time I just sat back and I kind of hunkered down and said, all right, there's going to be a time when all these morph makers out there, and I, again, I'm not, I'm not condemning morph making at all. 
It just wasn't where I was coming from. I said, there's going to be a time when all these people out there that are crossing all of these simple recessive traits, and they're not going to have anything to bring them back to to prove them. So I yep. held on to my pure Murphy patternless. I held on to my pure uh, blizzards. They weren't blazing blizzards. They were blizzards. My Murphy patternless weren't Diablos. They were, you know, patternless. And I sat back and said, okay, someday somebody's going to find the value and worth in these morphs. I just could not, in all conscience, let them fizzle out. I couldn't. Smart. Smart. Well, I don't know how smart it was looking back. It was probably smart, but looking back again, what I was, what I was, um, you know, compelled to do was to preserve something so genuine and so beautiful and so special that could, once it's gone, it's gone. Oh, yeah. We've seen a lot of things disappear, a lot of uh, interesting... We sure have. Stuff, uh, yeah. And it, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't an yeah. ego thing. It was a eco thing for me, ecologically uh, trying to protect this pure morph that everybody else was in mad you know, mad dashes to kind of create the next new morph, and they were crossing, you know, all these, they were crossing all three albino strains, the blizzard. Oh, that's the a good pattern. point. We're going to talk about that next. We're going to, we have a question, actually. We're going to talk about the big oh, thing of albino great. strains next. Okay. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the pure patties of yours are very special, and uh, you know, some of us do recognize that, and I'm sure all the people that hated on you for, you know, keeping that consistent, where are they today? I bet you they're not even in the hobby anymore or in the community. Oh, listen, no. That, the ones that hated on me flipped, you know, they flipped sides and said, gimme, gimme, gimme. I'm not like sitting here going neener, neener, neener. I, I find no joy or anything in that kind of stuff. I really don't. All I was was convicted to my to myself and to my uh, conscience and everything to to, pro, to try and preserve these pure morphs that were out there getting crossed with everything and and potentially watching this these beautiful. Uh, you know, genetic, you know, recessive traits vanish. Yes. I couldn't let it happen, yeah. David. I just couldn't. No. And I, it I wasn't see for that glory. It was for the love of the animals and the uniqueness of how beautiful and unique they were. Yeah. Yeah. I see it happening with some different... Uh, bloodlines and uh you know certain things here i'm certain things here i'm gonna not let that happen as long as i'm doing this it's just well, uh, that's very important to me. 
and I still do. Yeah. And I look at my collection, and I'm like, oh, my God. I only have 1.2 left of the pure Murphy patternless from my, that are mine, that are Golden Gate geckos. Mm-hmm. And they're still producing, but the you know I've got the, I mean the females are getting up in age a little bit, and they're not like laying ten clutches a year; they're laying four. Um, same same you know same thing, and it and it scares me. It makes wow. me. It gives me a, it's a source of anxiety for me. It's like okay, so what do I do? Do I let these geckos go? So somebody else can continue, you know, this, this, you know, amazing morph, or do I hold them back because I can't let go of them until they reach the point where they're, you know, just not breedable anymore? Yeah, that's tough. Tough. I, I'm being straight up here. It's it's tough. You know, am I so selfish that I want to keep them because of their, uh, you know, their their genetic worth? No, actually, it's more. I love them. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take a phone call, Marcia. Okay, that sounds great. I don't want you to start crying. I'm not. You know me. I'm a big crybaby. I know. All right. Caller, you've been on a while, on, on old for a while. Caller for, from the 916 area code. You're live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hi there, Marcia, my dearest friend. <laughs> Hi, Mark. Hey. hey, Mark. How are you? How are Good. you? How are you doing, Dave? Nice talking to you. Hey, Dave, yeah, good to I'm, hear from you. Pardon? I said good to hear from you. Yeah, yeah. Um, nice to listen in today. I've been been on since right after it. Uh, oh, I'm near another phone. I'm getting an echo. Uh, there, that's better. Um, I lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> oh shoot! Oh, Welcome to old age, Mark. Yeah, well, I I do have stage fright. I even get it on Blog Talk Radio, believe it or not. And and uh, uh, um, but you're uh, doing let's fine. See. Let's see. I, I I have your Billy Bell, as you know. Yeah. And and, and uh, he's one that I'll never let go, of course. And 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 you know that he's got a new girlfriend that I could, do. That could uh, be. Um, continuing, you know, your work in a way, and and also I have I have a uh, sun, you know Sunglow Solomon, and he might be a father. I'm pretty sure that Sally is gravid, and I've I've got her in a lay box right now, and well, well she has. I'm sure she's gravid rather, <laughs> and. Uh, um, I missed him doing the deed. Um, I got sidetracked for just a moment, and I came back, and they were just hanging out next to each other, and 
And yeah, I they're thought, like, well, okay, now we're friends. Let's have a cigarette, you know, kind of well, thing, right? Well, actually, actually, I thought they were just, you know, I, you know, not interested in breeding at the time, and I didn't think they actually bred. And then all of a sudden, uh, about a week ago, I was looking at Sally, and oh my gosh! <laughs> and um, I have another uh, a secret project that. I have a feeling, um, you know, for for all you people out there that might be thinking you're going to miss Marsha, I've, I've got a really good plan to suck her right back in. No, Mark. <laughs> He's not going to let me go down, go go out without kicking and scratching. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, there's a possibility though. <laughs> well, okay, uh, Billy came from uh, my line of bold stripe bells uh, that I worked on for many years, and um, they were uh, jungle bells that I had that I crossed with my um, bold stripes and then bred the heads back. And, I mean, they produced freaking stunning bull-striped bells. Well, they were huge at one point. They were like, you know, everybody wanted a bull-striped bell and that kind of thing, and then people kind of lost interest in them. Uh, But I just think that they are absolutely stunning uh, geckos. And, And since the bells... Um, have such contrast uh, yeah. in their in their um, you know pigment. Uh, they were perfect candidates for trying to breed for um, a pattern, you know. Um, and so I produced several years of just stunning bull stripe bells. Uh, and what was really interesting is that the European market was extremely interested in these. I didn't have as much interest in the U.S. as I did in Europe. And so they, they you know, they were really on board with that and produced some amazing Golden Gate Geckos bold stripes, um, uh, bull stripe bells, and you know, but then the interest kind of waned. There were other things to to uh, you know to pursue at the time, but I think yeah. they are just absolutely stunning, and they are a perfect morph uh, because of their um, you know their their contrast in their pattern. Uh, to create uh, a bull stripe bell, and so that's what I did, and I still have uh, a pair. Uh, she might be a little late in breeding optimization or whatever, but they will be available on my website. My next um, update. And that will be the end of my personal possession of bull stripe bells. 
Oh, wow. wow. So, um, I might have if to anybody's take a interested in continuing the morph, then that would be great. Yeah, you might need to talk to me about that in the near future. <laughs> I really I'm don't all, want this show to be a, a sales I'm already, show. Uh, I'm already working with Billy, you know. Mm-hmm. I might need to uh, think about how this is going to work out. But, but anyway. That's cool. I'm glad you're uh, glad you're enjoying the geckos you got from there, Mark. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I'm I'm totally attached to every one of them, <laughs> uh, and I've been I've been I've been guilty of not really getting them posted where people can see them. Other than I've got a few emerines on my on my uh, River City Gecko page, but uh, but. Um, that was like four months ago, or so, and and it, and most of those are are growing up, and um, uh, it's definitely definitely time for me to let a few of them go because they're they're uh, I've got a, a number of them that are breeding size, and and a few few that are still sub adult, but. Uh, it's definitely time to let some of them go. But That's always the hardest part. I've actually got four four geckos going out as soon as the, or actually five going out as soon as the weather warms up a little bit. Yeah, uh, this time of year is pretty tough for shipping. Yeah. But, uh, but I'm enjoying it a lot, and I'm, I'm kind of... Uh, um, hold, holding things back because uh, you know I've found that uh, um, I really, really can't. Uh, you know, it's just me, and it's an awful lot for just me to do. So I'm trying to trying to keep things um, throttled back a bit. I've I've got more well, breeders. We need than to I keep really things work. manageable. Yeah, there you go. That's the word. Um, and it's really easy to go beyond that level. Yeah, where I'm at now, you know, I, you know, first priority is to take care of my animals, and and I get all that done, and then um, then um, I just haven't been getting around to the taking some pictures and posting them. Once I once I start doing that, I think on posting them in, in a few groups, then, then it'll, it'll probably be a lot easier for me to do. Well, listen, you're not you're not alone in this. There, I, I totally dislike picture, picture, taking pictures. <laughs> I just yeah, do. That's, that's I don't really know why, but I dread it. I will put it off <laughs> and procrastinate it until I can no longer... Put it off any Me too. Me too. What is what is you that? Too, David. Yeah, I, I don't know why. What is that? Why do we do I'm, that? I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I'm preventing myself from making money too. What, what's what's wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Every time I post something, it sells usually pretty quickly, but it's the it's the point of making the effort to do that. I don't know why. I I get busy with other things, and it's like the last thing on my mind. (laughs) Yeah, because it's taking a picture of a friend that that you might lose. (laughs) That's true, too. That's a good point. That's part of it. That is part of it. Yeah, that's a little bit of it anyway. But, you know... In the, in the days when I would post website updates of 300-plus geckos. Yeah, oh, my you're God. You're talking taking 300 pictures times at least three to five. I never say so. No. It takes three <laughs> to five pictures to get one that's decent. Okay, so you take 300 geckos and times that by... Three to five photos. That's just overwhelming, yeah. especially when you have to go through every single one, and then try to find the the photo that best, you know, that best exhibits, you know, the the the, the trait of the gecko. I yeah, it's tough getting the color right. Uh huh. Find yeah. it real hard to get the colors accurate. It's just really difficult sometimes. Yeah, that's a struggle we all face. That's for sure. Yeah, I, some I, people I, love I, to break out their cameras and take pictures. I'm just not one of those people. I will <laughs> procrastinate. I get taking it. pictures. Get it. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, it's funny though. No, I've been playing around a little bit with just taking them outside, not in the direct sun, but where it's bright, but not directly in the sun, and and taking a picture there, and I'm finding that, that I'm able to, to get pretty good color rendition, even with my Android phone. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I think yeah, the natural yeah. sunlight with the broad spectrum and whatnot is probably your best bet, for sure. It helps. definitely helps, yeah. Uh-huh. All right, Mark. Well, is there anything else you have for us tonight? Well, no, uh, I don't think so. I'm I'm uh, cooking dinner and listening to you guys, so I'll I'll just uh, um, let you guys move on and um, and uh, let somebody else uh, um, speak. <laughs> and um, it's nice talking to you. Uh, take care and uh, um, uh, be well. All right. Hey, Thanks Mark. for calling in, Mark. Thanks. I'll talk to you the next couple of days for sure. Yeah, sounds good. Take care, David. Nice talking to you. All right. Nice talking to you, Mark. Same here, Mark. I'll talk Thanks to you soon. Thanks for calling in. Okay. Um, all right. We want to talk about fixing the three albino strains before we wrap things up, but um, I just want to let everybody know that uh, if you guys want to call in, I don't think we're going to pull an all-nighter with Marsha tonight, but uh, if you guys want to call in with a quick question, the number is 646-478-5331. And if you want to come on here, and if you're already online, there's a bunch of callers in the queue, press 1 on your phone now, and I'll know that you want to come on the air with us. All right? So that's how it works. If you just want to call and listen through your phone, uh, don't press 1. Just call the number, 646-478-5331. All right. All right. We do have another uh, caller on the line. And for you, Marcia. And that is 253, and this is Gecko Nation Radio's biggest fan, Mrs. or Miss Elsa. 
Welcome. How are you? Hey. How are you guys? How are you doing? Hi, Elsa. Good, good. How are you? The subject came up on uh, Gecko Nation Radio Facebook page about explaining the why you shouldn't read the three albinos together. And I have heard okay. an explanation before. Lost me halfway through, and Marsh is the expert, and you're the expert, so I would like to hear it from you guys. Well, I'm not an expert, but yeah, okay, she can, she you can, tell go you, first, she can break it down for you. No, no, this is your show, Marcia. You you break it down for us. Go ahead. Well, okay. Um, I'm try. I'm going to try to explain this in the easiest way possible. Because sometimes there's things that you know in your head, but it's just like really hard to describe. Right. And no matter what she says, just remember, just don't mix them. Just don't do it. Well, <laughs> go ahead, it's just, yeah, it's not advisable. Although, I will say, first off, straight up, that some of the most respected and, you know, um, breeders uh, in the world have done it. They have done it. They have bred Bell to Rainwater to, you know, Tremper to Bell and so forth. And, you know, um, one breeder in particular uh, made it, made it, um, in other words, he publicized that he was doing that. And he got strung through a knot hole backwards. The guy was completely crucified for doing that. At least he admitted he was doing it. Well, exactly. Exactly. They put him, they, they, they put him through the Spanish Inquisition, too, didn't they? After they crucified oh, it him? Oh, was, it was terrible. How could you do that? You, you know, blah blah blah. This, you know, this highly judgmental thing and stuff like that. Well, my my feeling is this: that how are we to know if they're not compatible genetically, unless somebody's tried it? <laughs> well, somebody had to do it once or twice. Yeah. Listen, there were so many people doing that, and this one particular breeder who is one of the most up-and-up, straightforward, um, tell-it-like-it-is people out there who I admire tremendously admitted that they did it. And it could have been a very educational uh, dialogue. Right. You know? But instead... The guy got like they the, they just got crucified. They literally got wrung through a knot hole backwards over doing it. Well, anyway, um, what we have discovered now. His, let's talk a little history on the albinos here. Ron Trimper came up with the quote unquote Trimper albino. Uh, several years, about 20 years ago, maybe? Uh, Anyway, something like that. Yeah, about 20 years ago, and it was a random mutation. Now, um, Ron, okay, Ron K. 
calculated this uh, production of of a um, an, a true albino, but he did it. It wasn't a uh, random morph that popped out of his his um, colonies. He mm. actually purchased a male albino uh, from the Middle East, uh, and he was also the the reptile curator of the zoo in um, Fresno. And these morphs kind of popped up. And somebody was like, what do you think of this? And he snagged them, as he should have. (laughs) There's no crime there. So he started breeding them, and sure enough, they bred true. Now, at the time, we didn't know about tyrosinase plus or tyrosinase minus, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, He... He had a, an albino leopard gecko uh, that was reproducible, and it and it was showing every evidence of being a simple recessive trait genetically, which albinos are. Okay, and a little bit later than that, this guy in Nevada came up with another albino. Excuse me, which did pop out of his colonies as a random morph. Had it tested, uh, you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. So there we had a second albino strain that proved out genetically. So whether people wanted to admit it or not, they're salivating and wringing their fingers over, oh, let's get together and see if these guys are the same thing, you know. And and it, and it could have been to debunk the other the the two breeders that you know had them in their colonies. I don't know. I don't know what their reasons were. I'm just surmising. But it turned out that the Tim Rainwater, who was the breeder in Nevada who had this albino pop out of his um, colonies, and the Trimper albino, which was a calculated, um, you know, morph that came out because he purchased the the albino, um, you know, parents. Right. Okay, so long story short, they tried to breed the two of them, and all they came up with normals. Well, if this this is an albino and that's an albino, then how come how come they're not compatible genetically? Producing albinos, right? Yeah. Well, as time went on, it turned out that genetic testing proved that indeed they were both true albinos, but the alleles, the alleles on their genetic makeup did not line up with the other alleles for the other genetic uh, albino. Mm -hmm. So they were not genetically compatible. Okay. Now I'm getting it. Okay. So we've got the rainwater albino that got changed to, you know, the Las Vegas albino and it's back to rainwater again. 
And then the Tremper albino line are true. They are true albinos. And they're, uh, let me just for a second here. Uh, I just had a brainstorm. There is a fantastic article. Uh, and again, my brain is like a sieve right now where there was a a um, scientific test done on the three albino strains uh, to see what the differences were in their genetic makeup. Uh, I have the article somewhere. If someone is interested in looking at it, you can email me and I will send you the the uh, the proceeds of that study. I would be interested myself. Okay. Yeah, just email me and I'll try to hunt it down. I've got it. But um so anyway, it just turned out that the two albino strains whatever the alleles were that caused the albinism as a recessive trait did not line up. Okay, so you've got this string of you know, you got this the string of genetics on one side, the string of genetics on the other side, and then the markers are there for what creates the albino do not coincide or line up with the others genetically. Okay. All right. So now, as time goes by, uh, Mark Bell all of a sudden had this, what he thought was, he he didn't realize it was albino because it had quite a bit of pigment um albino and you know went straight to the market with it without testing it particularly and turns out that yes indeed we do have a third uh genuine uh genetic albino strain in leopard geckos so the same crossing was done in secret for fear of, you know, yeah. you know, people condemning them and, you know, and really, you they know. Have nothing better to do. Well, I mean, okay, you produce something, you want to try it, you want to test it. Sure. I understand that. I don't think that that's unrealistic whatsoever. It's always going to happen. Well, it is. How else do we do we learn these things, okay? But the thing is that they got thrown under the bus for this, and sure enough, we wound up with another separate uh, genetic strain of albino, which was the bell, who, when compared to the genetic uh, string of the, the trimper and the rainwater, again... The alleles did not line up, so they were they were three totally separate entities of albinism in the same uh, species. That's All right, incredible so, in itself. It really well, it is. is. Think about yeah. it. This is just yeah. freaking yeah. cool. It okay, really but and it's only natural for these people to want to see. Okay, are we looking at the same genetics as the other strains of albino and whatnot? I am not. I'm not in any way, you know, um, shaking my finger at these three breeders for doing that. 
No. That is that would be for me that would just be something that you do. Okay. But herein lies the problem. All right, as time goes on, okay, you've got a you you, you know, somebody buys a, an albino from Petco, let's say. Right. And they don't know if it's a bell or a trimper or a rainwater. And they have another albino, which they think is a trimper. Okay, so they cross the two, and all they get is normals. So guess what? What was your clue here? They don't. They don't line up. Yep. They they do not. What they do produce is double hex. And all those mixes went somewhere else. So it's not like just crosses and found that they were incompatible and then just, you know, destroyed the animals. Those animals were wholesaled out or went out. Absolutely, out they were. And they right. and they started flooding, flooding the market as, um, you know, what would you call it, like uh, um, excess or... Unwanted wholesale. wholesale animals. Whatever. Yeah, we don't we, we don't this this gecko's got you know, genetics um but that, that wasn't even said. They were just sold off as as most of the animals. time they it was not disclosed. You're right. Just you're absolutely right. All and if these, you're buying a five dollar or ten dollar gecko, you're not gonna get a genetic history anyway. You're just getting a nice set right. a sit. So right. you know, you shouldn't expect to Get something that's perfect, or you know, whatever. Well, on, okay, sorry. it's kind of human nature to get everything for nothing. Okay, and so oh, right. they knew it was an albino. So let's see what we can do with this. Well, guess what? So what what started happening with all this um, excess or these unwanted contraband, if you will, of you know, geckos that were used <laughs> in these um, projects, they're they're not good for anything other than a pet at that not point. Not good for breeding. So they, really. Right, right. And so they're out there in Petco's and, and PetSmart's and, and, and everything else like that with non-disclosed genetics. All right. Okay, so all of a sudden somebody says, okay, I got an albino here, and then I got an albino here. I'm going to put them together and get an albino. Well, yeah, all they got was be. normal. Yeah. Well, what's up with that? Or, or you get 100 PMs, emails, and uh, messages <laughs> a week saying, what albino strain do I have? I just bought this at Mecca. <laughs> oh, David, you and I know. Oh, my gosh. How many years have we gone through that? I did. I pulled my hair out of my hair. But I, I yeah. about 10 years ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, man. the thing is, that there are so many geckos out there which are considered "quote unquote" fluff. Yeah. No. They are the the you know bottom of the barrel leftovers from projects that didn't pan out. From a well, from a genetic standpoint, let's be clear though, because they I don't want to, I don't want people to think that their gecko is worthless because 
your gecko, you could have got it for 15 bucks a petco. Yeah, you don't know what's in it, but it could still be a great pet for you. So I, I just want to make that clear, right? Oh, I, I couldn't monster. agree more. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't My agree more that, that these, I mean, these breeders who were doing this could have, could have taken the route where they, you know, did away with them. That's true. Thinking Good that they were helping the, you know, the community by eliminating any possibility of, you know, these genetic mix-ups and whatnot. Right. That would be horrible. But they didn't for whatever reason. I don't know what their reasons for, for or against were, but they're here. I'm sure money they has make, to do it. They make excellent pets. There's nothing wrong with them other than they carry two completely separate, and in some cases three, completely wow. separate genetic, um, you know, uh, um you, you know, recessive albino, albino. Yeah. yeah, recessive albino genes. Now, it, let's say, okay, you you buy a gecko from PetSmart, and, it, 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 and it's a normal, but it's also head for Tremper, and it's also head for rainwater. Right. Okay, it's not. You're not going to know that unless you actually breed that gecko to a rainwater or a Tremper. Now let me and chime in you, here for a second. Now huh? my first year let me chime in real quick for a second on this. My first year breeding and this this question I get a lot from first year hobbyist breeders and people that are excited, they come on the scene, they're interested in morphs, they don't know a lot about them, they kinda hear about mixing the albino strains, they hear it's bad, but they don't know why, so that's why we're talking about it tonight anyway. But they kinda think and I felt like I, I thought this to myself at first too. I didn't act on it, but I thought about it. I'm like, well, why are these breeders saying it's bad to mix the three albino strains? Maybe it's the one thing they all forgot to do. Maybe I should try to do that and make a triple or a double albino. Right. Uh, what's the logic behind that, Marcia, if you will? Well, okay, I can't speak for anybody's... Um, you know what their what their intentions are. Right. You know it. You, you they have to stop and think, and I think there's we need to really work on this promoting this um, within the leopard gecko community. Is before you start doing something like that, think ahead at what it is that you're you're trying to produce or you're trying to prove. Okay, and mm-hmm. there's not much of that going on, um, and it and, and and it's understandable. There's there's a whole uh, huge percentage of the community out there that is, you know, they're ecstatic, they're energetic, they really want to get on board with this, and they want to mm-hmm. see what they can get if you put gecko A with gecko B. But the problem is that. We already know that the three albino strains, which would be the Trimper albino, the Rainwater albino, also known as Las Vegas, and the Bell albino, are not genetically compatible. It doesn't mean if you if you breed them together, you're going to get a bunch of dead, 
you know, um, you know, miss, you know, um, you know. You know, misshapen, and you know, it, 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 you're going to get nice, healthy geckos out of that because yeah. they're leopard geckos. But right. genetically, they're not going to exhibit any of the traits, zero of the traits of the uh, recessive uh, morph of all three albino strains. So herein lies the problem with with breeding. Uh, with knowingly breeding uh, separate albino strains with each other, is that you're just first of all you're just going to come up with normals, visual normals. Now, considering that the parents are proven, you know, to be, um, you know, uh, of, a, of whatever albino strain, mm-hmm. okay, that these offspring now are going to be. They're going to be 100%. Okay, let's okay, let let's back up. Let's say you breed uh, a trimper to a bell. Right. Okay. You're going to get all normals. Right. But those babies are going to be, you know, 50% head for bell, and they're going to be 50% head for trimper. Am okay, I all going to be 100% head for both, Marcia? Well, yes, they would technically. Yes. Yes. yes, they would. Um, so they'll be carrying both albino traits. So right. So you wanted for to, both so albino traits. Try to make a, so you say you wanted to make an, a double albino. Even if you bred those babies together, you wouldn't. It would be tough to at that point. The babies of those offspring would be fifty percent right. possible head tremper. And right. They would be fifty percent. Right. Oh. Right. So then, and then at that point, how would you know which? albino is showing or if two are showing it starts to get a little well if, crazy. if you're lucky enough to have yeah. an offspring exhibit a you know a um uh, um you know a, um, a recessive trait to exhibit it how would first of all it would be difficult to know which albino strain it would be exhibiting Right. Versus which albino strain it would be carrying as a you know heterozygous um, genetic mm-hmm. trait. Once I understood that fact, I was like, why even bother? Because then you're talking about how many animals are you producing in this project to begin with. At that point, you're going to have maybe thirty, forty uh, geckos to take care of, you know, or or try to find homes for. I mean, think about that exactly. for, for a second too. Right. Okay, so if you're taking okay, but it would it would still be fifty percent hat probability from each parent, because yes. the thing is it would be a hundred percent hat, but but the thing is how are you going to tell visually of the offspring which ones exhibit the heterozygous trait without what what it's going to take is test breeding it. Mm-hmm. Okay, then so I, you're going to take yeah. this gecko that's head for bell, let's say, or and head for rain, or, or head for tremper. You're going to cross them. Now it gets them. crazy. And now <laughs> where it, gets it gets crazy. <laughs> okay, because about half the babies may turn up to be albino. Okay, but what <laughs> strain of albino are they? Right. Are they tremper? 
are they bell? Now, an experienced eye after a period of time would would be fairly accurate in identifying which strain it would be. Okay. Right. But, but sometimes they look alike too. If it exhibits that uh, an albino trait, it is still going to be fifty percent het for the other albino strain. Right. And, and you're not going to be able to tell which ones are the are the hats and which ones aren't. And then imagine adding the third albino strain into that. How many years? Oh my gosh! You're just exactly, David. It's just like, oh my god! Throw your hands up in the air and say, okay, this is just. Um, I not mean, even worth it. It is no, it's not worth it and if anything it's throwing a wrench in the works and creating an entire plethora of genetic possibilities yeah. down the line without being able to prove them and then the babies the offspring that are produced from these are going to be you're not going to be you could say possible het bell possible het trimper possible het you know, rainwater. If you're honest about it. If you're honest about it. But you're right. Uh, you're right. Most of these geckos get sent to, you know, wholesale places, and people buy them and think, okay, well, this will be cool. I'll, I'd like to breed these. I mean, that's just kind of the natural, you know, people just naturally want to breed them. No, no, and you're missing a step. First they, first they email or PM me and ask me what morph they have. Then they well, they, say, and that's oh, after yeah, they cool emailed me and I told them to go ask David. <laughs> right. That, oh, now I, oh, you admitted it. <laughs> oh, it's not just you. Who else does it? Uh, the no, wife, the John no. Every breeder out there gets... You know, gets these you know hundreds of emails a week over this type of thing. Oh, and you know, the best thing I can tell people is, hey, you know what? You have a lovely pet. Love your gecko. Well, you know, think of the. This is just. But see, the you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago, this morph making phase was going on, and hundreds of breeders were, you know, crossing everything they could to try to come up with the the, the latest new morph so they could run to the bank with this, and and so the the offspring were these. I don't know, they were the bastards, so to speak, of, yeah. you know, of all of these. And uh, they're not going to put them down. Some, a lot did. A lot of them did. They mm. they euthanized them just because they weren't worth anything genetically. And the, the rest of them said, well, I could at least make some money wholesaling them to, you know, the big box stores and stuff like right. that. So, So they're out there. Here they are. They're out there with unknown genetics, and, and especially with the recessive traits, uh, albino being the number one. Um, and so somebody says, buys that and says, oh, okay, and oh, it's an albino. I don't know what kind of albino it is. So I want to make albinos so they get another one. Well, okay, say the one they bought was a trimper, and the second one they bought was a bell, and they're both het for you know, bell, trimper, and rainwater. 
and they get frustrated because they keep producing all these babies that are triple heads or possible triple heads. They're normal. And then that's how the market or gets flooded and saturated right. with unknown genetics. And that, to me, is irresponsible. It's just utterly irresponsible to do that. Yeah. Is it is it is it is it expected that people who don't really know what's going on and stuff do that? Yes. Do I blame them for wanting to do that? No, I don't. But I think that it doesn't lie in the uh responsibility in the buyers of these uh un, you know, these excess whatever you want to call them. Um, I think the responsibility lies in the breeders who mass produce these and, um, you know, sell them wholesale. Uh, and, and it's harming. It is definitely harming, you know, the the responsible genetic uh, crossing and breeding of the morphs that we, we do have right now for people who are are serious and take it to heart and have certain ethics and certain values uh to fo- that they want to follow. And so it's it's just a bad situation all around. I Got think. It. Well, thanks for taking the time to exp- explain all that. I have just gotten it, Did it make sense to you? Yes, it did. And I'm I'm going to uh, PM that guy on on the uh, Gut Connection uh, uh, Facebook, uh, the radio Facebook page, and you know tell him to listen listen to this and what time it starts, so he'll have a well. Just have him listen in, and I know I know that Bat or Bat Matt Bronick and John uh, Scarborough both have addressed these issues numerous times on on the show. And given, you know, their take on what the situation is, um, and it's not that, you know, nobody's, that we don't want to disallow anybody from breeding this to that, but right. what we want to do is educate people so that they, so that they can make informed decisions. Responsible breeding. And be responsible for what they are going to produce, and without the knowledge, they they are not going to be able to do that. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much, you guys. Oh, of course, it's, it's Elsa. Our it's our pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you so much for calling we, in. We we want okay. the best for this whole community, and, and yes, especially for the animals. And so, yes, we when yes, we see yes. something that raises a big, huge flag that's problematic, then we're gonna we're gonna speak out about it. And rightfully so. Thank you so much. You're All so right. Thanks for calling welcome. in. Right. Take care, Elsa. Mhm. Elsa's great. Um, She's a, she's been one of our longest and biggest fans uh, of the show. Uh, great question, right. also. I'm, and and the gentleman that brought it up in the group, I'm glad you did. I'm glad we uh, broke it down for you tonight. I don't know, uh, Marsha. I think we uh, did a good show tonight. Put in two hours. What do you think? 
Well, I'm 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 ready to go on if you are. I know that there were some questions about bandits that we never touched, but uh I think we can let's put that off for another show. Let's do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm always happy and thrilled to come out of my little cave and and be <laughs> an active and helpful part of the community. I mean, that's been my goal for years. You know. Well, we're not gonna we're not gonna let you go. So don't don't get comfortable in retirement or anything. Cause we're yeah, just gonna pull well, you back retirement in. is only retirement until you finally just say, okay, I'm retired. Screw it. But. Uh, <laughs> You know, I'm not there yet. I'm very close, and it's just been a journey for me, and not a pleasant one. But um, I'm still here. I'm still going to continue some of the projects that I like to do as a hobbyist. I am no longer a business. Golden Gate Geckos dissolved its business last year in January. Okay. So I'm basically just like everybody else now. I'm a, uh, I'm a very interested in hobbyist and, ve- you know, very much involved in, um, you know, what, I, what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And um, I've been kind of stepping back a few paces and kind of weaning myself off of the mainstream a little bit. Um, but I'm still here, right. and I'm still well, not... always, always willing to help in any way that I can. All right. Well, then how about in like a few months we'll come back and we'll do a show on bandits, bandits geckos. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah. That's a, there's a whole huge um, interest in banded geckos, which thrills me to death because I just love them. Yeah, they're cool. Um, they're like the miniature miniature versions of leopard geckos, pretty much. They are. Everything ways. about them. People want to know how to breed them, how to incubate eggs, and yada, yada, yada. And all I can say is it's the same as a leopard gecko. <laughs> but I just love <laughs> well, these don't little, say that. I love my little bandits, and we'll, we'll we'll do another show maybe on bandits. Yeah, well, they're not, yeah, we don't want people to think it's exactly like leopard geckos because then we don't have any reason to put a show together, Marcia. Exactly, but they <laughs> definitely have their own characteristics and their own specific needs and and things like that, and I love my banded geckos, and I get so much joy out of these little tiny jewels, um, you know, and they're becoming more and more popular, which I'm thrilled about so um let's let's do that let's uh in the future we'll we'll focus on maybe you know banded gecko um husbandry and care and breeding and things like that awesome sounds great hey marcia i really appreciate you giving us your time tonight it's always a pleasure talking with you and uh i guess uh i'll be in touch with you uh in the in the upcoming weeks or months uh, about doing the other show that sounds fantastic. I'm always just tickled to death and just really get excited over, um, you know, doing the show. And I want to support what you're doing uh, for the leopard gecko community, and I, I, I still want to be a part of it. So I appreciate you, you having me on the show, David. Thank you so much, Marcia. All right, let's uh, wrap things up, and uh, we'll be in touch. and. Have yourself a a lovely evening over there. 
Thank you, and you do the same, and all of you out there in the Gecko Nation. Um, I'm still around, although I'm kind of in the shadows a little bit, but I'm still here, and uh, I still care very much. And, and so, before you go, um, when are you going to do that website update? Before you go. Well, actually, I'll be doing photos tomorrow. Um, there's not a whole lot I'm going to have available. Um, I've got some, you know, some that are that are going, but the majority of them are readable adults. And um, uh, so I've got everything on the website, all the pertinent information put up, all that kind of stuff. All I got to do is take the photos and get them posted. Okay. All right, cool. Okay. And everybody, it's goldengategeckos.com. Check her out in the upcoming week or so. There's your plug. Sounds, sounds <laughs> good. And don't tell the mean old gecko lady. No, we won't tell her. Definitely not. No, no. Right. I heard right, she's Marcia. off on some worldwide cruise with Alejandro, so the better, the, the better, <laughs> the, the farther she away is away from this, the better. <laughs> I love you, Marcia. I love you too, David, and I love all of you listeners out there, and most of all, I love all these beautiful, gentle creatures that we all have in common that we care for, and uh, I just I just hope that shows. So good night, everybody. All right. Good night, Marcia. Take care. Good night. Bye-bye. All right, folks, another awesome show comes to a close. Um, thinking about putting together in the near future a show uh, dedicated to leopard gecko hobbyists, the hobbyist breeders out there. And there's a few great ones uh, that I have in mind. And if um, I'd like to, maybe we'll even do it next week if I can put it together in time. And uh, I'd like to use that show to uh, have all of you guys uh, that have questions, if you're a new hobbyist thinking about becoming a breeder, um, to call in and ask your questions. We'll share our experiences, too, and uh, maybe give you guys some insights on, on how to take this to the next level, all right, and uh, make your dreams a reality and uh, help you do it the right way, give you some good advice from, from some of the mistakes we've made and things we've learned over the years, all right? So also, folks, if you like what we do here at Gecko Nation Radio, it's important that you take the time to help us and Share the links on Facebook, the Gecko Nation radio page, and uh, you can also find information about the upcoming shows in the group Gecko Nation. All right, there's a great group. We have like over 5,000 members now, and uh, a lot of helpful people in there. It's uh, low drama, um, high information uh, group, so you guys can learn. If you're, don't be afraid if you're a new person and you have no idea what you're doing. Uh, don't be afraid to chime in in there, and if anybody bothers you, just you can private message me, and uh, I'll handle it. But uh, it's it's we've been going strong for a while now with very few problems. So check out Gecko Nation and check out Gecko Nation Radio on Facebook. And of course, you can just come here to the Blog Talk site, uh, BlogTalkRadio.com/slash Gecko Nation Radio. All right. So before we go, and before I play a cool song, I'm thinking about playing. Uh, Maybe an instrumental type song, maybe like a a movie soundtrack or something tonight. But uh, let's mention our sponsors first. Uh, our sponsors are very carefully selected, and these are people that 
people and businesses that we trust wholeheartedly. Uh, we want to help you guys have good experiences out there, whether it's buying animals or buying products to care for your animals, buying feeders to feed your animals, all that stuff. I want you guys to have good experiences, not get ripped off, not go through the trial of learning, going through all the problem people out there, because there are a bunch. So here's the good ones. Let's talk about gecko breeders first. Of course, we heard from a great one tonight. Check out Get Nicole and Get Geckos. She's not a sponsor, but uh, we sponsor her because she's awesome. So GoldenGetGeckos.com. Don't forget about that. She'll be updating her site this week and the next week. Uh, of course, the Gecko Boa Reptiles. We love GeckoBoa.com. That's John Scarborough. Uh, anything you could possibly need in leopard gecko morphs, he has pretty much. And he's got the best uh, selection and best uh, bloodlines of all the available leopard gecko subspecies here in the U.S. Okay, from Angromanus to Fustus and Montanus, Fasciolatus. Fasciolatus is my favorite, personally. Um, Afghanicus. And all his bloodlines are true, well-documented, purest, and uncorrupted bloodlines and localities. So trust that, geckoboa.com, best source for, for those. He also has some, has some micro geckos and some uh, odds and end type animals that you don't see all the time. And he's on Facebook, too, at Geckoboa Reptiles. Um, of course, we have Ohio Gecko. He's uh, missing action a little bit, but he's got beautiful animals as well. OhioGecko.com. Uh, check him out for tangerines, nose, uh, fat tail morphs. He's pioneering a fat tail morph called the Starburst. Uh, definitely check that out at OhioGecko.com. And also check out GeckoForums.net for all kinds of information related to leopard geckos and other geckos. All right, let's talk about feeders. Oh, actually, actually, one more awesome gecko breeder. How could I forget? Uh, actually, two more. Mr. Ron Tremper. Ron Tremper at leopardgecko.com. Don't forget about Ron. He's got awesome stuff on his available list. And if you'd like an encyclopedia to gecko morphs on your smartphone, download his app called LG Pro. That's LG Pro in the App Store. And he's also got a care app called Leopard Gecko Care. So if you want to uh, basically a how to care for leopard gecko book on your phone at all times, you can get it in the form of an app, all right? And also check out his various uh, uh, other information on his website, wealth of information there. And, of course, Supreme Gecko. If you guys want cool cresties or day geckos or some uh, obscure species, definitely check out supremegecko.com. Uh, wealth of information on his site as well, as well, not just sales. You can learn a lot, a lot of good stuff. Definitely check out supremegecko.com. All right, let's talk about feeding your awesome Number one, rainbowmealworms.net. Don't forget about Rainbow, biggest worm farm in the world. Awesome customer service, awesome pricing. Best that I found. I use them exclusively for my collection here. Check out rainbowmealworms.net today. If you have any questions, ask for Jillian. She'll help you out. And if you're feeding your insect-eating reptiles and you want a little variety and you don't want to just feed just worms, then you're going to want to go with EB Dragons. EBDragons.com specializes in dubia roaches. All right? And they're giving us a very generous coupon for our listeners. It's all in caps. Get 10% off. All right? I'm not sure if that's for a limited time or not, but act on it because it may go back down to 5%. He was, he, he was always giving us 5% off for all our customers, I mean, for our listeners, but it's been up to 10 So take advantage, folks. 
That's abdragons.com. He's got all kinds of roaches, not just dubious. He's got some obscure, uh, like obscure species and really weird stuff too. So if you have some, um, you know, geckos and animals from different locales that you want to feed a very specific diet to, you might be able to do that now. All right. All right. Let's talk about shipping your animals. If you've gotten to the point where you're breeding and producing animals, sooner or later you're going to want to get them to your customers, and your customers are not all going to live on the same street as you. So you're going to have to ship them overnight anywhere in the U.S. And great company to do that with is Reptiles Express. Check out reptilesexpress.com. I use their boxes. I always say it. I love their boxes. They have the thick insulation. It's like three-eighths of an inch uh, thick, and uh, it's the boxes are clearly marked. Never had a problem. Awesome quality shipping supplies, and the FedEx labels are the cheapest that I've found. So ship the right way, the legal way, and with the best uh, materials for shipping with reptilesexpress.com. If you're new to shipping, ask for Amy to help you out, help you get started. Becoming a member is free. All right. Let's talk about sea serpents and hotbox incubators. All right. If you guys are sick of having fish tanks and heat pads and all that stuff all over your bedrooms and your living rooms and your basements, it's time for you to get a rack system because you're getting serious. And you're going to need a good incubator too. So go with the best, go with the highest quality, go with sea serpents and hotboxincubators.com. They use genuine FlexWatt heat tape made in America, the best and safest heat tape in the world. Their incubators are plug-and-play, ready to go. They have thermostats inside, built in with lighting and everything. They're really impressive. So seaserpents.com and hotboxincubators.com will get you to both places. All right, and two more reptile stickers. If you guys have any promotional materials, if you're starting to like a little business or if you're making your little gecko operation into something more than just a hobby, you want to start advertising, you want to start getting your name out there and making yourself uh, look unique and original, you're going to want some cool graphic design work, some stickers, some banners, you name it. Go to reptilestickers.com and on Facebook at Happy Gecko uh, Stickers on Facebook, okay? That's Rachel's site, so I'll be out. Very talented graphic designer. And last but not least, uh, Dale's Bearded Dragons. They've been with us since the very beginning. I uh, can't say enough good things about this family-run business of the best reptile supply products that you can find, best customer service, and just really awesome people. Dale's Bearded Dragons, their new website is dbdpet.com. And use the code GNR5 for 5% off any supplies with uh, Dale's Bearded Dragons or dbdpet.com. You can also see them at most of the expos in the Northeast, for all the way from Baltimore to New Hampshire. And they're starting to go further and further west and south. All right? Growing very quick, growing very fast. I mean, just amazing because they're dbdpet.com and GNR5. They also have an app now. So check out the DBD Pet app. Really easy way to get all your stuff that you need. All right, that's it for our sponsors, folks. Uh, I want to thank everybody that continually shares our posts and um, supports our show and listens in and people in the chat room and people that call in. You guys are great. Um, having a lot of fun. I'm going to keep doing the show for as long as I can keep doing it. If you guys have ideas for shows, you can email me at GeckoNationRadio at gmail.com or you can PM me on Facebook at GeckoNationRadio. And uh, here's a cool instrumental piece from one of my favorite movies. The river runs through it. Hope you like it. Until next time, folks.